Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. June 17, 2015 was the um, unthinkable tragedy that happened at my church. It was a Mother Emanuel AME church. And on this night during Bible study, there was a young man who wanted to start a race for in this country. He walked into my church and he fired over 70 bullets. And, you know, ultimately, when it was all said and done, he took nine lives that night um, with his hopes of starting a race war in the country. And and one of those nine lives was my, my mom, my hero. So I lost her in a very, very, very tragic way. And uh, that kind of sparked everything that I do today is because of that tragedy. We're joined today by Chris Singleton. He's a former minor league baseball player. He is now a nationally renowned speaker with a message of resilience, forgiveness, and unity. How does he share that message after this tragic loss of his mother? Well, he's going to share all of that and so much more today on Connections. We're joined today by Chris Singleton. He's a former minor league baseball player drafted by the Chicago Cubs. He's now a nationally renowned speaker as well as an author. Chris Singleton is also a former baseball player. When I saw your name come up on the interview list, I was like, I know a few Chris Singleton that are athletes. So which one? And I ran down the list and I was like, I do know you, but not because of your baseball career, but because of another important piece of your story, I've seen you speak before. Inspirational speaker is, I think that's putting it mildly, <laughs> very inspiring when you share your story with people. Tell us a little bit about your life growing up, though, and your your family and that kind of stuff before we get to the major part of your story. Yeah, man. Born in Atlanta, Georgia, in the States. Um, you know, I was, grew up to two parents that were athletes. Dad played football. Mom ran track in college. So uh, sports was a huge part of my life. Um, I loved, uh, you know, R&B music and dancing in, the, in like elementary grade school. Right. I love that kind of stuff. And then I uh, just really fell in love with sports. Had a pretty decent childhood. Didn't, you know, didn't really want too much. Things were things were good for sure growing up. Uh, what was it like for you when you made your way to the minor leagues? Was that like... I don't know, a dream come true type of thing, or was it getting pretty old pretty quick riding on the buses and stuff all over? Uh, that was fun, man. You know, you, you think about the journey of playing in, you know, I've played in Vancouver. I've played in, you know, I think 12 different states. So uh, that part was definitely fun. But, you know, you did wake up with your back hurting every now and then on the <laughs> bus rides. Uh, I, my favorite thing about baseball is, you know, if you've got like a, 333 batting average in other words you have success one out of every three times you're considered really really amazing right so uh, yeah. that's always been one of my favorite things about it you uh you mentioned um you know a little bit about growing up your parents were athletes in uh 2015 tragedy struck your family and this is a story that many people will remember do you mind telling us a little bit about that day and and what happened yeah, uh, June 17, 2015 was the um, unthinkable tragedy that happened at my church. It was a Mother Emanuel AME church. And on this night during Bible study, there was a young man who wanted to start a race for in this country. And he walked into my church and he fired over 70 bullets. And, you know, ultimately, when it was all said and done, he took nine lives that night um, with his hopes of starting a race war in the country. 
And you know, one of those nine lives was my, my mom, my hero. So I lost her in a very, very, very tragic way. And uh, that kind of sparked everything that I do today is because of that tragedy. What was that like that when you found out in the days following? Can you describe it a little bit to us if it's not too difficult? Yeah, man. I think for anybody that experiences experiences tragedy, right, the first thing that comes is shock, right? So for me, when I was told that my mom was at Bible study and there was a shooting, I immediately thought, you know, there's no way something like this could happen. Um, following that shock, it was more like just hoping that my mom was okay from the shooting, uh, just kind of hoping and praying that was the case. And then when I found out that, you know, she, she, she'd been killed, it was immediately thinking, you know, what about my brother and sister? You see, I've got a little brother who, who was 12 at the time, a little sister who was 15. And so I immediately started thinking, what, what are we going to do? Um, as much as I loved my dad, he really struggled with alcohol. So I knew he wasn't going to be able to take care of him. And so I immediately started thinking, what, what can I do to help my brother and sister? Um, and I didn't really even grieve at first, to be honest with you. I didn't really take the time to sit down and, and, and experience the things that I'd gone through. I, I was just always thinking about what can I do for my brother, for my sister, uh, for my city. And it took me some time to grow in that process of saying, hey, Chris, put your feelings first, man, and then handle all the other stuff later. It's kind of like that uh, the air mask on an airplane. They always tell you, right? You need to put your own on before you can help other people. Maybe in a weird way, that was how you were trying to cope, keeping yourself busy and taking care of others so you didn't have to face the emotions that were welling up inside you. Absolutely. And, and a lot of times just in life, we we do everything else except the thing we really, really need to do, Right. And so like on people's to-do lists, you got 15 tasks and you know there's only really one of them you really got to do, but you always put that one last. Oh, it's important. I'll make sure I can get that one later with nothing else to focus on. But no, you got to put yourself first and the big thing first. I learned that the hard way. I learned that by, you know, it was on all these different TV shows and all this media runs that I was doing. And and everybody said, you're so strong, Chris. But I didn't know like that me, strength was sitting in there, sitting in the feelings for a second and experiencing them and then saying, you know what, I can still keep moving forward, but you got to sit in it. You can't just pretend like it didn't happen. You can't just pretend like you're not hurt by it because ultimately you're faking it to everybody and, and, and yourself. I've, I've personally experienced a lot of trauma and tragedy, but uh, this situation, so unfortunate because it all was based around race. This man was a white supremacist, like you said, hoped to start a race war. I can't even imagine what that's like, that all this happened simply because of your race. Can you try and put that into perspective for those of us who haven't grown up around racism or haven't experienced it against ourselves? What's that like to know that people do not like you that much simply because of the color of your skin? Yeah, it's crazy to think that, man. You know, when I think about the history of just mankind, there's always been, you know, this group of people here, this group of people there. As time has gone on, it's, you know, this race is superior to that race. But what I've always tried to get people to real to remember is that we don't choose our skin color, right? We don't choose our first language or who we're born to or where we're born. So we should never hate people for those things and they should never hate us for them just as well. And in this case, this guy grew up and 
you know, he supposedly wasn't raised that way. He just really fixated on um, the Trayvon Martin case, which was a shooting of a unarmed young black male. And, you know, he, he just really got focused on how bad black people were for the world. And it became really, really sick and sad how he was going online and looking up all these things. And and finally, he just had a hatred towards people that looked uh, like myself. And, you know, saddeningly, he didn't learn from somebody else that that's not the right thing to do. And that's not uh, the right way to feel about another human being. Um, but it's unfortunate, man. And ultimately, he said he, he wanted to do something so bad and so cruel that people would hate each other uh, based on his actions. And I'm grateful that that did not happen. Um, yeah. But I'm but I'm also hurt that I lost my mom because of his, his mistakes. Yeah, wanted people to hate each other because of his actions. True definition of irony, the exact opposite happened in the aftermath, uh, not only from you, but from so many uh, from the church. Um, just... I don't know like how you got to that point, but so many of you came out with forgiveness, with grace, pain, right? And grief, but also, yeah, forgiveness. Like how do you even get to that point to forgive somebody that's taken your mother and others uh, that were close to you? Yeah, you know, first I think that it, it was something out of this world that placed forgiveness on my heart, right? I'm a believer and I think that wholeheartedly God said, hey, Chris, I'm putting this in your heart because I want you to know how powerful this forgiveness thing is. And as time has gone on, right, this is, you know, seven years ago, I've realized how, how powerful it is now. And people ask, well, how do you get there, Chris? Like you ask, how do you get to that place? Well, number one, you got to figure out what's in it for you, right? Forgiveness is a very, very, it's a butterfly type of word. It's like a very nice thing to do and it looks pretty. Yeah. But, you know, if there's nothing in it for you, why would you ever want to forgive somebody? Right. If there's nothing in it for me, this person shot my mom six times while she's praying by forgiving him. What do I get from it? And for me, I, I immediately start thinking, OK, I don't have to hate all young white people because of their skin color. Right. If I forgive this man, I don't have to constantly be on alert and fear for my life if I forgive him and, and realize that it's not going to happen every day. Chris, this isn't going to happen to you every single day like you feel it may. Um but also, I don't have to focus on his life, right? And sometimes we think forgiveness means you don't hold somebody accountable. That's not the case. I don't believe in forgiving and forgetting. That's impossible to me. If it truly hurts you, you know, you're not, you're never going to forget it. If somebody truly hurt you and, and pierced your soul, um, but forgiving them says, hey, now I don't have to. They don't have any headspace for me. I don't constantly think about, you know, the way he lives his life. He's never said sorry. I don't need a sorry when I've forgiven somebody. And that's what it's done for me. But I, I first had to say, OK, what's in it for me? What what's on the other side of forgiveness? And once I got to that point, I realized that it was I had truly forgiven in my heart and not just with blanket words. Uh, you started sharing your story, um, speaking and writing about it. What's that been like for you to be able to share this story on a very large platform? Yeah, I think the, the coolest thing for me is when you share what you've gone through, um, so many people say, you know what, man, I'm going through something just as well. And just to see that you're able to smile, Chris, that you're able to, you know, use this pain and turn it to your purpose. Like that's inspiring. Um, lot, lots of times uh, for me, I said, I kind of think 
if we have something to do with what we've gone through, it gives us things to look forward to. Right? If we go through trauma and tragedy and there's, we have nothing to do with it, it's really, really tough to keep moving forward. So if you lost a loved one to cancer, like running a 5K in their, in their honor is, is important or doing something just to say, hey, I do this for that person that we lost um, and I do this for my church family. It's been amazing. I'm on the road 150 days out of the year. Me and my wife sit down every year and talk about how many days I can be gone. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking to a lot of students, a lot of educators, companies, you know, sports teams. And so uh, the mission is simple. The mission is unity. It's teaching resilience. And I believe I've been blessed so far to get the opportunities that I've gotten. Uh, tell us a little bit about the children's books. Yeah, these were uh, started because I. I used to think I would go to every school in the country where I live in the States, right? I used to think, oh, I'm going to every single school. So I realized there are a, a ton of schools. There's no <laughs> way I'm going to every school. And, uh, you know, I sat down with my little sister and we talked about, well, hey, Chris, why don't you write a children's book? You know, then you could share this message without being there physically. Um, I wrote a book. I self-published my first one. I'm on my third one now. But I self-published my first one and. The Obama Foundation shared it. They said, Chris, we love what you're doing. We want to support you. All these different celebrities got behind it and pushed it. And, and uh, you know, I think we're at probably 40,000 copies or so that have been uh, sold throughout the world. So it's it's going well. Uh, what are the name of the books again? Yeah, my first one is called Different, A Story About Loving Your Neighbor. Um, the second one is called Your Life Matters. And the last one that I just released is called Baseball Around the World. Now, let's go back and talk about your faith a little bit. You mentioned, you know, you're a believer. Uh, Paul writes in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for uh, good to them that love God, right? That's pretty easy to say. But in the midst of heartache and tragedy, what was your faith like at first? Like, did you question faith? Did you question there is a God when something so evil like this could happen? Or did you sense his presence? That's a great question. I think for me, um, before I lost my mom, I would have said that I was a believer, but I didn't have a personal relationship at all. Mm-hmm. It was through my pastor. It was through my mom. When I lost my mom, it was the first time that I started to actively seek a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior. And uh, I got that. I got that. And uh, for me, there was no questioning. But for my little brother, there was definitely that period of Chris. Mom was shot six times while she's praying. Um I don't believe God's real. And we worked through that for years and years. And I'm grateful that he's not no longer thinking that. But I believe my faith was strengthened after that tragedy. And, you know, the scripture that you use, I've also used ones like, you know, the Bible tells us consider pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. And it's like, well, how am I supposed to consider stuff joy when it's pain here on earth? Like in the flesh, it doesn't feel right. But for me now, I, I think, man, because of what God has pulled me through, there's nothing that I can't get through uh, in the future of my life. I don't know. What do you say to people that hate <laughs> based on race and the color of your skin and different things like that? Yeah, I think the the Bible is pretty simple um, if you're a believer and it tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And it doesn't mean like, you know, if we speak the same language or, you know, vote the same or anything like that. I think that's pretty simple. But just in in in, in a generic, basic way, we can do this. Um, number one, I try to remind people that there's so many things we don't choose in our lives, whether it's our, the way we grew up financially, whether it's uh, where we live or, um, what we look like. So, so many things we don't control. So we shouldn't hate people for those things, 
but also we've all had different experiences that shape our opinions. And for me, if we stop and say, you know what, before I judge this person and hate this person based on where they their opinion is, let me realize they've got a story behind theirs, just like I have a story behind mine. Mm-hmm. And that kind of thought process is definitely broken, uh, broken down some generational hate that I've seen. Uh, you know, it's it's so frustrating, too. I feel like I can understand people, you know, um, well, I understand people being racist because oftentimes that line of thinking, it doesn't come from actual experience, right? They read about it. They learn it from others. You know, so much of this could be solved just like sitting down at a picnic table together and having a cookout together or something, right? And getting to know each other and, and talk with each other. I agree, man. I agree. And and, and for me, I want my, my, my kids' weddings to look like heaven. I want my yeah. parties that I have at my house to look like heaven. I want it to look like every shade, every size, every everything. Um, and we got to remember that when we get to the pearly gates, there's not going to be people that look just like Chris Singleton. No, some people from all over this this earth. And so I want people to, to, to just think about that the next time they want to judge somebody that looks different or thinks different than they do. Yeah. And like Paul says, like there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, right? Like we're all one created by God for a purpose, right? Amen. I believe it, man. Tell us how we can find out more about you, Chris. Uh, find out um, how to get your books, maybe how to speak, uh, get you to speak up here in Canada and different things like that. I love it, man. Yeah, my, my uh, Instagram, all my social medias are csingleton underscore two. Uh, if you want to follow me on socials there. And then my website kind of houses everything. It's chrissingleton.com. And uh, I'd love to share up in uh, Canada one day. Thanks so much for sharing uh, it's such a difficult story, but being so open and honest with it, I, I know it's going to impact a lot of people. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.